0: For the second straight year, the Big 12 Conference is March Madness NCAA Tournament Champions after the Kansas Jayhawks come back, beat the North Carolina Tar Heels 72-69 to on Monday night. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com, of course, is how you find us, covering the entire Big 12, top to bottom. Matthew Postons, you've been hearing from all season long on the Big 12 basketball scene, Matthew second straight year it was the third straight we talked about it uh, before the game it was the third straight championship game including a Big 12 team Texas Tech who lost to UVA Baylor who won last year and now Kansas Jayhawks make it two in a row for the Big 12 what does that say to you about this conference.
1: Well, I think it says a couple of things to me. Uh, number one, obviously the conference is in great shape, You know, regardless of what happens when Texas and Oklahoma leave in a couple of years, at least when it comes to basketball. Uh, the other piece it tells me is that the Big 12 is deeper than it has ever been. I mean, it would be one thing if Kansas had been to the Final Four each of the last four years. I think some folks, outsiders, would probably expect that because of the reputation of the program. But we've had three different Big 12 teams go to – the national championship game in the last three tournaments Um, teams that you wouldn't necessarily associate with the national championship game uh, because you now have Baylor recruiting at Kansas's level at the high with kids coming out of high school, Texas tech is doing its own, doing it its own way with recruiting three and four star kids and turning them into five star kids. And then picking kids out of the transfer portal that, that helped them. Um, Several teams in the conference now have found a way to, build a top-tier program and consistently do it year in and year out. And that makes the Big 12 a conference that is going to have to be dealt with. You know, Even after the changes that come, you know, Houston will join the conference. They're now an elite program. BYU is a solid, consistent program every year. And Cincinnati and, and South, Central Florida are coming. So you think about the future. You know, Right now, obviously, it's great to see them in the, in the championship game each of the last three years, but that could well continue the way this conference is currently configured and the way it could be configured in the future.
0: Yep, I absolutely agree. I think this league, and we talked about it, and we watched it all year, and and we knew that this was going to be a conference that was, and the statistics show this, the eye tests show it, the best conference in America, and uh, that got proven with Kansas uh, coming back, by the way, to beat arguably the hottest team in the country in North Carolina. So let's talk about the game. You know, the flow of this game, Matthew, early on, uh, David McCormick and Baji are on fire. Uh, They're hitting shots left and right. Uh, Kansas jumps out to an early lead. And then UNC settles down. Maybe it was nerves. That's what head coach Hubert Davis alluded to. But whatever happened, UNC got back in the game. And I thought, in part, Kansas let them get back in the game, Matthew. They got out of the offensive rhythm that was working. Remy Martin came in, and he started off one of five from the floor. He banked in that three that was a bad shot, and he got lucky on it. So Remy came in, and I feel like he tried to do too much, Matthew, and it allowed Kansas back in the game and to take that lead. Now, things worked out, but what do you make of that first half and and where things went wrong?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, part of it was shot selection. Yeah, Uh, I think part of it was, McCormick and Lightfoot both getting into foul trouble there midway through the first half. Uh, that didn't help them. You know, when you consider what North Carolina had inside with Armando Bacot and Brady Manic, uh, you really couldn't afford to have those two guys in foul trouble. Uh, and, and I think also, you know, North Carolina adjusted some things defensively. I think uh, early on, I think both McCormick and Bacot figured out that the officials were generally speaking going to let them play in terms of contact underneath the basket. And I think if you, you watch that first half go on, they you know, kind of took advantage of that. He, he became the more assertive player in the last eight, nine minutes of that first half because he kind of realized, Hey, I can get away with more contact than I'm probably used to getting away with because the refs aren't going to call it. And, And that's part of getting into the flow of a game, understanding how it's being called by the officials. So, um, they just got on a hot streak. I think that, that inside-outside game really helped them. You know, Manick, uh became their big source for threes in the first half, uh, and they just got on a streak where, you know, Kansas just could not find a way to cool them off until the very, very end of the first half when, Mike Baji made a jumper and made a free throw But, again, down 40-25 at the half, you know, largest halftime deficit in a NCAA championship game where that team came back to win – um, I was really interested to see how Kansas was going to respond in the second half, and, and the response that I got isn't quite what I expected.
0: No, I I agree. I you know I said at halftime it just felt like it was UNC's night, and I was wrong. Uh, there was a there was a viral picture of a bet that Darren Ravel showed, and I, I don't mm, know if you saw this, yeah. but it was like a guy could have won twenty grand if he cashed out on his bet at halftime of the UNC Kansas game on Monday. And, you know, Darren Ravel posed the question Would you cash out or would you hold your money to win 80 grand instead of just 20 if UNC were to hold on? And I said, Stay all in. Well, I would have lost 20 grand on that uh, like an idiot. So, not the last (laughs) bad bet I will make or would have theoretically made. But the second half, uh, let's look at that, Matthew, and how that played out. Kansas just came out of the gates on fire. It reminded me, in a weird way, of the Miami second half as well. I mean, everything just started to click. Uh, layoffs were being made after they missed a ton of layoffs in that first half. What was different?
1: Uh, I think defense was different, first of all, and that's kind of what got them going in the Miami game in the Elite Eight. They ratcheted up the defensive pressure. Uh, they they really focused on, in that case with Miami, they focused on Cameron Mcgusty. In this case with North Carolina, they, they really focused on the perimeter and making things difficult for their guards to get the ball into Baycott and Manic. Uh, Dewan Harris was a guy that Bill Self and the other players really credited for ratcheting up the defensive pressure. And he had a couple of big steals uh, in the first half of that second half, those first 10 minutes that helped lead to layups and transition. They really sped up the pace of the game. Uh, I mean, it was really kind of. Odd to me to see how Kansas really slowed down in the last ten minutes of the first half. Once they sped things up, that really kind of changed the whole uh, complexion of the game because that's not a pace that you know players like Manic and Baycock can keep up for you know twenty minutes the way they were playing. Um, I was really surprised at how quickly they made up the gap. That was the thing that really kind of surprised me. I mean, I thought Kansas could come back in that game, but I figure when you're down 15 going into halftime and you're playing a really good team like North Carolina, you figure it's going to take you most of the first, you know, 15 minutes of that second half to execute that comeback, and that's going to take a lot out of you. The fact that Kansas had it back down to a one-possession game within the first 10 minutes of the second half, I think really played well for them because they didn't have to expend a ton of effort to get back into the ball game, and it really gave them an opportunity to kind of, you know, shuttle players in and out, give David McCormick a little bit of a rest, uh, you know, get Mitch Lightfoot in the game a little bit. It really – the fact that they were able to get in the game so quickly really helped them from a game management standpoint down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and I think about, you know, Remy Martin, who had a bad first half. I think about the second half from, like, the eight-minute mark to about the the four-minute mark. He had eight points there, a couple of key three-pointers that – I mean, two of his three-pointers, as I recall – uh were breaking ties I think it was like 57, 57 he broke a tie with a three and then at 65 65 he broke a tie with a three uh, here's a guy who we you know six weeks ago you and I wondered if he would even play if he would be part of Bill Self's rotation and he played a key role in winning a national championship for the Jayhawks
1: yeah it was a it was a really interesting second half I think a lot of folks thought that um you know, Ochai Agbaji was going to put that team on his back in the second half, and he didn't have to because Martin played well, Christian Brown played well, Jalen Wilson played well. I think the three of them had 32 combined points in the second half. So the fact that they were able to spread around the scoring, I know everybody probably wanted to see Ochai have a huge second half, but the fact that they were able to spread the scoring around really made it difficult for North Carolina to defend them. Uh, one of the really interesting things in this game was, you know, I think I made the point before the game, there were not there were eight players in the starting lineup that were averaging double figures. Well, each team had five players in double figures last night. Five of them had double doubles. This was a really, even though it was only like 72-69, this was a real high-level offensive game, especially in the second half. And because it was still balanced on both sides, it made defending each team a little bit more difficult because you couldn't just... Concentrate all your effort on one particular player, and uh, and and leave the rest open for Kansas or for North Carolina. Uh, it was it was very interesting from that aspect, but I think that balanced scoring for Kansas really helped them out down the stretch because it 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 helped them distribute the ball around the perimeter when they had the ball in offense,
0: mm-hmm. and it obviously
1: opened up things for David McCormick inside down the stretch.
0: Let's talk about Bill Self's uh, legacy now, Matthew. He has two national titles. That puts him in the category with Jay Wright uh, as the only guys, I believe, with a pair of national championships, active coaches, since Coach K has retired. Uh, That's an exclusive club, obviously. Many thought that Self has underachieved in his NCAA tournament history. We'll never know, and there was a lot of conversation about that 2020 team, but obviously with COVID canceling the tournament that year, that team would have been a favorite to win the whole deal. Uh, Never know what would have happened, but what does this do for Bill Self's legacy?
1: Well, I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer. He's already cruising toward you know eight hundred, nine hundred career wins. Uh, I, you know, he's now the first coach in Kansas history to win two NCAA tournaments. That's a that's a differentiator there on campus. You know, Fog Allen has one, Larry Brown has one. He has the other two, so you know that makes him that makes him stand above Fog Allen. If if that's you know pretty impossible for anybody to believe, that's something Fog Allen was never able to do um you know he's this is a legacy that he's going to continue to add to And when you think about the fact that he's only 59 I think yeah. he turns 60 sometimes this year he's got 10 you know 15 good years left ahead of him if he wants to continue to coach him when you when you coach at Kansas you win about 25 games a year you know he's gonna he could potentially close in on that thousand win mark by the end of his career if that's what he wants to do but certainly you know, he's enhanced his legacy to the point where you have to talk about him with Jay Wright with Dean Smith who won two with uh, you know other coaches that have won two or three championships like the guy he replaced Rory Williams um, he's definitely in that echelon now and you win multiple national championships at that level you're considered a you're considered one of the best coaches around and of all time
0: uh, well well deserved as well now I'll say this and I'm not trying to damper anything uh, for KU fans but uh, we talked about it the other day and The most read article on our site uh, the day of the championship game on Monday was Bill Self's comments about the FBI investigation and the fact that it hasn't gone anywhere, but that he never thought it would impact his program or his team. Doesn't look like anything's coming out of that, uh, Matthew. I mean, maybe something happens here in the short term, but how, if at all, should that factor into the conversation here?
1: Um, With this particular team, I don't really think it should factor into the conversation because the yeah the the players that were allegedly involved in that are gone. In fact, one of them never even came to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly from that info, but you know none of these players had anything to do with what they're talking about right now that I'm aware of. So if you're thinking about punishing this team well after the fact, I don't think that would be fair to this group of guys they mm-hmm. They did this on their own. They weren't a part of that. you know you I think you just have to let that alone if you're the NCAA. As for where this investigation is going, I have no idea. I mean, I think uh, Jesse Newell reported a few months ago that the committee that is considering all of the all of these allegations created a pathway to expedite it, and that Kansas asked them to expedite their findings. But nobody knows exactly what expediting their findings means. Yep. <laughs> that's the that's the nebulous and in confusing nature of this entire investigation. Like we said before, NCAA has had this for three years, and they, they don't seem to be anywhere close to a resolution in terms of what they might do to Kansas should they finally come to a decision. And like I told you, I'm of the mind that I don't think the punishment's going to be that severe because I think the NCAA is too distracted by everything else that's going on right now to really care.
0: I agree. Um, Matthew, you know, in terms of the... Philosophy in college basketball, uh, you know, when the whole one-and-done thing started, Coach Calipari at, at Kentucky, you know, and and then Coach K came around to it, and Kansas was doing it, and North Carolina was doing it. Get the one-and-done guys, get them in, and then, you know, send them off to the NBA. Try to win a title while you can. I look at this Kansas team, and and Bill Self has referenced this. It's as veteran a team as he's had, um, and, mm-hmm. and look what they did and how they battled through adversity this year. North Carolina, a lot of those key players, Pacote, uh, upperclassman, Brady Manick, a grad transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, even some of the stars are are sophomores, technically. So is there a changing of the guard? And look at a team like Villanova. They never have one-and-done guys, and they you know are, are going to Final Fours here three of the last six years. Is there a changing of the guard to going back to saying, can I find guys that – want to stay in the program for at least two, three, four years. Is that now maybe – are we shifting back here uh, to the median, so to speak, in the formula to winning NCAA tournaments?
1: Well, Not if you look at the transfer portal right now. There's already more than a 1,000 players in the portal right now who are looking potentially for new homes. And, you know, Kansas really is kind of a bit of a throwback when you think about Akbaji and McCormick four years with the program, Brown, three years with the program, Wilson's been in the program three years. Um, You know, a lot of those guys will be exiting either due to eligibility or because they want to go to the NBA over the next few days. So there's a whole roster of kids behind them that really didn't play much this year. KJ Adams, Joseph Yusufu, uh, Zach Clements, Bobby Pettiford, um, the guys that I think will self probably said, Hey, can you guys be patient for one year and develop? I think that's the way every coach wants to develop their program. I don't think they want to take in a bunch of guys that are going to be gone the next year, unless it's just an absolute necessity. I think they really do want to build a pipeline of talent that can grow from year to year. That's why the, the, the five players that left Kansas after last season was so shocking to me. It was like, you know, you don't usually see five players leave Kansas when they know that playing time is potentially coming their way. Um, I think this is the way Bill Self wants to build his program. I think this is the way most coaches want to build their program. But I think that the, the freedom that players now have to transfer and the freedom that players now have to cash in on the individual likeness, that's going to make it much harder for coaches like Bill Self to build these kinds of teams. I think you're going to see teams that have pockets of experience. I mean, Duke had experienced players in their starting lineup, but they also had two sophomores and a freshman. So, you know, experience is going to be – In the future, I think experience is going to be as much about what you did in AAU and what you did in travel ball as it is going to be what you do in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. Well, Matthew,
0: it's been a hell of a season. You've done an outstanding job on uh, the site, on this show. What are kind of your final – not not that you're going away or going anywhere, but uh, Hmm. what are your kind of (laughs) – It's news to me if you are. Well, what's kind of your final thoughts, putting a bow on this season, and you know just what's been a hell of a ride for Kansas, but also just an incredible season for Big Twelve basketball.
1: Yeah, I think that um, you know, at, you know, we go back to the thought about the Big Twelve being the best conference in college basketball, and I think they proved that throughout this tournament. Even though one team got to the final four, I mean, all six of these teams that made the tournament, um, you know, got in, got into the second round. We saw Oklahoma get into the NIT. They won their first round game. You know, West Virginia, you know, was a team who I think you know had things broken a little bit differently for them. Could have been in the mix. Um, every every single program in this conference was good. Every single program in this conference had one or two big signature wins for themselves, even if they didn't make it to postseason play. And you know, right now when you look at the transfer portal and you look at the Big Twelve, you're the only team that's really just getting hit hard as Kansas State and that's going to be the norm whenever you have a coaching change or whenever your team is just coming off a really bad season like West Virginia is you're going to lose kids to the portal I think that's going to be the norm we're going to see moving forward we saw it with Texas and Tech and Iowa State last year when they had their coaching change Oklahoma as well a lot of players left and I think a lot of players are going to start taking advantage of that moving forward so Jerome Tang has got a, a much bigger job ahead of him than I think he had originally planned when he got there. But that's going to be the norm now. When you, when you, as an athletic director, make a coaching change, you're going to have to seriously think about how that coaching change is going to impact your roster. And that's going to be a, an input now that, that athletic directors are going to have to take into account. But, you know, when you look at the future, they've got one more year with the current configuration of 10 teams. Um, I think Baylor is going to be a contender again. I think Kansas will – Probably need a little time to sort through its uh, new players, but I think they'll be a contender. Texas Tech, especially if COVID, Kevin O'Banner decides to come back and and exercises COVID year, I think they'll be a contender. Texas should be there. Iowa State uh, going to I think they're going to find some good offensive talent in the portal. Plus, you've got Tyrese Tyrese Hunter coming back for them. Um, there's your top five right there going in, and, and Oklahoma will be in good shape. Uh, Oklahoma State will be in good shape. And West Virginia is already getting better with the transfer portal. So if you look ahead to next year, this conference is going to be just as brutal as it was this year. It wouldn't surprise me at all if only six teams get into the tournament next year, maybe two or three get into the NIT, just because of the balance in the conference and, you know, the way that this league seems to beat up in each other in February.
0: It's going to be fun. It always is. He's Matthew Poston. Matthew, awesome job, man. We will be uh, talking to you soon. Be well. Enjoy some R&R, you deserve it. You can take the Heartland jet wherever your heart desires, all right?
1: Well, then, then I'm going to Augusta because I got some masters to write about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, gosh, it never ends for this guy. He's like our Jim Nance. He goes from uh, the Final Four to the Masters. I love it. Matthew, we'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. All right, you bet. He's Matthew Postons. I'm Pete Mundo, and uh, that's it for us on this show. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and if you do leave that rating and a review, we'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us all basketball season long. We'll be getting into more baseball and off season spring football as well coming up here in the uh, next several weeks. So be sure to check it all out. Hit that subscribe button and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Take care.